Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Erin. So I'm really excited to meet Sean Zier here today, who is the founder of Earth Buddy. Yes, it is one of my favorite brands. And in <laughs> fact, I have to, um, I'll be placing an order today because <laughs> I need to figure out how to add the immune tincture to my recurring order. And I put it on my calendar of things that I'm doing today. But it's one of my, um, my dog's uh, favorite, the puppy. I will open up a bottle and take the dropper and she just sits down and opens her mouth. Oh, <laughs> she's done that since she was four months old. So welcome, Sean. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you. So you got to tell us the story of why. Exactly. The origin oh story. We love it. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite story. And, you know, if I go off on tangents about it, there's so much to the story because it's, it's, uh, it's ongoing. You know, uh, as a pet owner, we, uh, we don't stop being pet owners. So, um, real quick, I'll try to, I'll try to condense it. So I started this company because in 2016, I adopted a dog from a family member who was 13. Her name was Kiva. Kiva was a collie mix and she suffered from cluster seizures, which she would, you know, there's, there's different seizures and there's different reasons, um, they may occur. And with her, she was non-responsive to all medications, pretty much everything we threw at it. It wasn't managing them. And she was having upwards of like 20 seizures a day. Oh, wow. It was, I've it was had a dog and it's really upsetting to watch. I mean, it is the most horrifying thing to watch. Yeah. And, and seizures are at different levels. You know, you have the grand mal, the really like convulsive, uh, violent ones to, you have these little tremors and you think about little dogs that are kind of just quivering already. Some might see that as a seizure. Other people are just like, Oh, they just look like they're shivering. Mm -hmm. So there's a big scale with hers. They were always, um, she would pace, pant, get disoriented and fall and basically convulse. And it was really harsh. So when I brought her in, I thought I was this big, tough guy. And I'm like, I'm in the pet industry at the time and I worked for a distributor. So I was like, I know all the products. I'll give her a good quality of life. I don't think she's going to make it a month. I thought I was so tough. I was just going to be able to make that tough decision for her um, and just give her some, you know, some quality of life before she passes on. And within a couple of weeks of having her, I'm like, I love her mm -hmm. and she is such a good dog. And I was like, all right, now I want to do everything to keep her around. And at the time in 2016, CBD was very new. And I knew that there was many uh, popularity growing and news stories about how CBD has helped with this issue. And I was like, well, there's, there's nothing to lose here. 
um, because her quality of life is just nothing. She was a gas station kibble dog. I mean, literally nothing against the people I adopted her from. It's just, you know, people, some people just don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, it always comes at the end and it, it shows itself in the worst ways when they're older. So, um, at the time, the CBD products that were for pets at the time were mostly coming from Europe. And I wasn't very comfortable with that because in Colorado, we're always one degree separated from the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. And luckily enough, I was um, friendly and and pretty good buddies with um, two scientists that were up in Boulder County growing small batch organic hemp. And I said, hey, I don't trust anything that's out there. I would like to work with you guys and possibly partner to uh, help my dog first, but also I think we have an opportunity to really explain what this stuff is and how it works because I don't see anybody explaining it correctly. And I feel very uncomfortable and frankly, like reserved to even tell people about this. So we start using it on Kiva. Let me back up about Kiva. And I really want to make this a big point. Um, One ingredient CBD um, is it's a single molecule and one ingredient is not going to fix or change your pet's life. The diet is the foundation. That is what they eat every day. And one thing I had to change with her right away is getting her on a better diet. So I started with, you know, just better kibble. And then I transitioned her to more freeze dried and raw. And then eventually it was like home cooked, basically home raw. Like, you know, I was buying it from local butchers and adding in my own supplements like mushrooms and things. So like really setting that foundation for her was the first point. But then as we started incorporating CBD and all these different um, modalities, I was able to manage her seizures really well. So much so that we kept her around another year and a half. And throughout that process, um, especially towards the end of her, I really felt that um, I wanted to start Earth Buddy and really tell people because I kind of took a crash course, not just with her, but with my friends who were growing the plant and they understood the plant better than any two people I know. So I never say I'm an expert, but I work with them. Yeah. (laughs) And they're called scientists. So um, having two scientists that I can bounce ideas off, I'd throw a bunch of, they got sick of me real quick because it was like, I would throw like (laughs) marketing to them and scientists don't care about marketing. They just want to study what's, what's the best way to do things. So I threw them marketing and stuff and they're like, dude, you got to stop sending me this stuff. It's crazy what people say. And even fast forward till today, eight years later, almost, um, you still see a lot of crazy stuff out there. So the bottom line was um, giving Kiva that quality of life, keeping her around for another year and a half was the absolute inspiration. Um, But my inspiration grows every day. I mean, I had my first dog at the time, Tito who was healthy as a horse, all of a sudden have a tumor a couple years into starting Earth Buddy. He had a tumor on his thyroid and we fought cancer with him for two years. Again, you know, the, the diet interventions and, you know, traditional medicine, honestly, is really what helped with that, along with all the things that Earth Buddy makes. And we actually made some products because of him, because I didn't think that like, in his case, CBD was the only answer to help him. So, um, I continue to evolve my my way of thinking about how to treat pets with supplements and always kind of fall back into we got to start with diet and we got to start with the quality of life. And where's that line of like, especially with pets towards the end, like, can we give them dignity? Can we give them, you know, the honor they deserve 
um, regardless of how severe their situation is. So that's how we kind of start making our products. Very long story. but Yeah, no, it's an excellent story. So my yeah. first question hearing that is what, well, there's two is one, how do you explain CBD to someone who does not understand? Because we're seeing a flood of new people coming into the community who are interested in doing the best they can for their dogs. And so they're faced with making all these choices. So how did, for someone who is used to feeding, you know, just a regular bag of kibble and not really doing much else, how do you explain what CBD is to them? Yeah, I can answer that a bunch of different ways, but I'll, I'll probably just start in a really simple way. So let's take just the supplement world and the natural supplements. Um, when we think about um, a supplement, especially a natural supplement, we're trying to use a natural product that is a little bit safer for the pet. It's not going to have the, the long-winded way of explaining it, and I'll probably fumble it a little bit, is like, I want the most minimal effective dose of something that uh, elicits the desired response without any side effects. That's like a really like long-winded way to think of supplements because we're not using, we're not calling it a drug. We're not calling it a cure. And we're trying to add to their already good diet, assuming that their diet is, is dialed in. Now, when we get to the the cannabis and CBD and all this fun stuff, um, when I explain CBD to pet owners, I start with, well, your pet has a natural system called a endocannabinoid system. The way I explain it is, is as simple as I can without boring people to death is it's like a, it's like a conductor of an orchestra. It doesn't actually play an instrument. It, it actually just balances chemicals in the body. It's a chemical balancing system. What happens is, and the theory that I've, I've had and I've seen some good research on it, is that um, pets and us as mammals can become deficient in our natural cannabinoids that we produce in our body. And when that happens, health issues arise, stress arise, inflammation happens. So when we talk about CBD and I just, you know, I dress it with just somebody walking around in the store or um, just seeing them in the day, it's like, the primary reason people come to CBD is for stress. And one thing that we know that CBD helps us is it balances some of the mood chemicals like serotonin in our body. Now, does it immediately chill out every dog? Does it change their behavior right away? In some cases, one small dose, it does. In other cases, you might need to use it for a little bit. So when I, when I talk about cannabidiol, I'm like, it's a natural botanical and a botanical is just a plant extract with all different kinds of plant compounds beyond CBD. And we have to start low and go slow and be really mindful that this is a plant and we're going to, we're going to be safe about it first before we just uh, think it's going to fix all of our pets problems. So yeah, long winded answer, but I always try to back it up and it's like, what is a supplement? Like, what are we trying to do? Um, and so CBD can help a lot of things, but do I think it's the end all be all answer to every pet's issue? Probably not. And it's why we have such a variety of products. Um, the, my favorite quote that I, you can, you can quote me on is, um, nobody's CBD is more CBD ear because it's one molecule in, in a plant that produces hundreds. So <laughs> I love that. So I think you might be one of the only companies around in the pet space where you are overseeing growing the plant also, is that right? Yeah. So we, so a couple things to that. Um, 
the focus is on R and D. So we've grown different plant varieties that produce different compounds. So again, CBD is not the only thing. Obviously, THC is more of the high causing compound, and frankly, that's that's not really explored as much with pets. And a lot of vets are very wary of that because they see what happens when pets ingest THC. But um, predominantly, what we do is we grow uh, small batch organic hemp. We don't grow more than three to four acres. I think at this point, um, it's very important to note that this is not a commoditized crop. It shouldn't be grown on a big farm because it's a uh, plant that we are harvesting to extract medicine out of and then concentrate it into stuff. So um, the the focus is on growing the plant to bud and be full of this uh, awesome extract or medicine that it produces. And it's, it's a resin. And the plants that we grow are high CBD and low THC. So that's how you want to grow the plant for that compound. But we also have explored other fun compounds like CBG and other fun stuff down the road. So I know that you guys use the word hemp. What is the difference between hemp and like the other words that? Yeah. So, so all, you know, I think again, I'm always like, let's back it up. It's all cannabis and it all comes from the cannabis plant. And so when you think about hemp or marijuana, the only difference is the level of THC. So to sell a retail product with a high CBD, um, we call it hemp because of the 2018 farm bill, but it is all the same plant variety is still cannabis sativa L. So that same plant uh, genus is grown for the marijuana variety, which produces high THC. And a lot of dispensaries produce marijuana that produces almost no CBD anymore. So all the value of THC really went to that and they kind of bred out the the CBD. Whereas like we're governed by um, our department of agriculture. So we have to grow a plant that produces less than 0.3% THC. So now when you ask what's the difference between hemp, hemp and the different cannabinoid words, um, the, the bottom line is the there's different plant varieties. So if you think about what hemp is like in Europe, they grow up for textiles. It's not for medicine. It's not for the drug variety, we call it. Um, whereas here we grow it for the medicinal value. Um, I think we should grow it for both. We should grow it for the fiber and the textile value and for the drug variety. But the drug variety or medicinal variety is more to grow high amounts of the resin that it produces in the flowers and the bud. Um and then extract that out in a safe way. And doing that in small batches is really the way to control the quality and and make sure that you're getting a safe product for yourself and your pet. So what are some of the, like you had said, there were products coming, you know, like from Europe that you wouldn't trust. Like, what are the things that like are make it untrustworthy? Is it in the growing that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're thinking about like the, the traditional hemp variety that's grown for like rope and clothing and textiles, that doesn't produce, it does produce THC or CBD, but at a very low level and hemp is a bioaccumulator. So when you extract from a plant like that, you are going to concentrate other um, unwanted compounds like heavy metals and things and, you know, whatever that plant may have been sprayed with. And, you know, one of the dirty little secrets is a lot of cannabis operations will spray lots of essential oils on the plant. And that's fine. I'm not, I'm okay. It's safer. It's organic, but we're concentrating medicine out of it. So um, it's important to note that. So when you have a lower quality plant, that's not grown for medicine, you can concentrate the heavy metals that it'll naturally pull up out of the ground. 
the cool thing is with the plants that we grow here, because they are so abundant in CBD and they're so healthy that we're just focusing on the buds and the leaves and we're able to test and make sure and share our third-party lab results and showing that there's no heavy metals and pesticides and things like that. Yeah, I was going to ask if uh, if you make that available, like the certificate of analysis. Yeah, yeah it's very important. Um because because we kind of do the the whole process, um, we are required to test differently for the raw extracts and the whole process. So we do a little bit further testing. So typical like raw extract tests, like so we harvest the plant, um, we extract it, and then we test for mycotoxins, microbials, heavy metals, pesticides. And then we take it a step further and we test for like the medicinal qualities. So we just started exploring um, the plant produces an essential oil called terpenes. And so there's cannabinoid potency, there's terpene potency. And now even further, it's really exciting. We're testing for flavonoids. So a flavonoid is something like, I'm sure you guys have heard of quercetin. That's a, that's a yeah. plant flavonoid that's in tons of different plants, but it's also in cannabis. So I take it uh, from allergies. <laughs> yeah. It's also in cannabis, which is why I see a lot of companies pushing CBD for allergies, but yeah, that's, that's another benefit is it it's a plant extract and it's going to have flavonoids as well. So we're starting to test for that and we're going to start sharing that, but yeah, all the products have QR codes. You can scan them, go right to our lab test. And is test, you know, one thing I've noticed is like, whenever I hear from, um, a new to me CBD company, um, the easiest way to, to let them down easy and say, I'm sorry, I can't work with you is to just go to their website and look for their um, certificate of analysis, analysis because it's either not there or it's a one page document that doesn't tell me anything. And so my thought is that when people are new to CBD, what should they be looking for when I don't. That. Yeah, I'm sorry to jump in, but no. this is like this is important. Um, I don't want pet owners to have to become uh, third party lab test mm-hmm. experts. What I will say is, the company should be transparent, willing to share them. They should be up to date, and when I say up to date, they shouldn't be from two years ago. The bottom line is, um, I've been doing this for eight years, and when I started, there was over 600 farms in Colorado. I would say there's probably a decrease of 90% of those farms. Like oh, wow. the, the amount of production has gone significantly down because it was a gold rush. Everybody saw dollar signs and ran to it. So a lot of that stuff's been sitting in a warehouse extracted already, already made in a treat or, you know, bottled in, a, in an oil. It's like, Hey, just slap your sticker on it. So as long as the company is willing to share their lab results, they're up to date. They don't say things like proprietary or that's, you know, our secret sauce. Um, Nothing's new in cannabis. Honestly, everybody's done it before in some way, shape or form. So really, we just want to measure quality. Mm -hmm. And I think transparency is a good start to your point, Kimberly. Like, I think as long as they're willing to share that and they're transparent and if they don't have something, um, be able to answer why too. And so um, most times... We'll have, you know, the full panel for most of our products, but sometimes that panel might be the same raw extract in another product. So we just share it on that. And it's like, Hey, well, that actually went into this too. So we have so many different products, so it gets a little bit wild, but it's very expensive. The other thing I would say, look at the dates on the lab tests. And then also, um, is the third party lab, a ISO, or does it have some kind of accreditation? Mm -hmm. Because 
in cannabis. It's been a, a long time thing in legal states where I'm a grower. I want to see a certain percentage of THC. Yeah. Hey man, you make sure this is at that level. And then the chemist tests it and there's no accreditation to that lab and there's no checks and balances to that lab. So it couldn't be a little bit haywire. So there's some really good labs. We work with a national one that's um, accredited and has, you know, state of the art testing and they, and they do a great job. So. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on people who add flavoring to their CBD oil? This is something that with cats especially gets brought up a lot because they're picky. I think there's some, um, here's my big word of the day. Um, I think it's very anthropomorphic to add a beef flavor or um, a fish flavor to a oil because there's a lot of um, risk with that in terms of where's the quality of the sourcing. Most flavoring, animal flavoring specifically, is very low quality, as you know, in like the pet food side and the treat side. As palatants, um, it's it's very highly refined fat, animal fat sources. And yes, they might make it more palatable, but in my experience, nothing flavored with hemp especially animal fat wise is going to be, it's not going to improve it enough in my opinion. So we chose not to do that because we wanted to keep it as simple as possible and plant-based because the, the scare, especially with plant or, or animal fat specifically as a flavoring or palatant is rancidity. So if that animal fat is rancid, but now you have it in coconut oil, it might not have like a smell or you might not even notice it. And it might just be safe enough that your pet can take it every day. But what is that little bit of mold or what are those microbials going to do to your pet long term if they're getting um, kind of inoculated with it over and over? So there's a lot of risk with animal fat in a liquid product. So to me, we chose not to do it. And for cats, it's like, hey, we got to be creative (laughs) as opposed to, hey, it's got salmon oil. And I'm like, well it's still hemp. It's going to be a hempy salmon now. (laughs) And I, I hear mixed things about CBD treats where some people say, well, once you bake the treat, the CBD is not effective, but I've actually given some CBD treats to my dogs. Some that didn't seem to be doing anything, others that did seem to help. So, you know, how do we, I I guess, what's the deal with it and how do we know which ones to buy? Yeah. I'm always going to be like, all right, let's back it up then because we're talking about metabolizing things. So the the traditional story that I've been telling lately is, okay, you have a pet owner and I, this, this story has happened multiple times, but I had a lab owner who had a 70 pound lab, good, healthy lab, and they just wanted to chill them out. They bought our four milligram biscuits. Um, it totally helped the pet right away. The dog totally chilled out. So they go to their friend who's got the crazy dog and they recommend it and they try to give that same dose to, let's say in this case, a same exact size dog. And it doesn't work because their dog is crazy and on level 5,000, just revving naturally. So what I'll say is with, I'll get to the treats, but what I'll say is every pet is different. And we were talking before we started, they're all individuals. Mm-hmm. The three of us are different. We have different chemistry. We have different stress. We have different uh, life experience. So saying that one dose or one way of doing it is not going to be optimal, just like with food. So when I think about treats, it's like, well, what are we trying to do? Well, in Kiva's case, the reason I started the company, she wasn't eating. 
she had no appetite. She was on all those pharmaceuticals. It was zapping her appetite. She was severely um, emaciated basically because she only liked gas station kibble, which is full of sugar and carbs. So she's basically eating junk food. Um, and then she gets to me and it's like, she's basically eating health food and that's not fun to switch cold Turkey to. Um, so she's not eating. And how do I get her to eat? Well, guess what? We made a really good biscuit. That's really palatable with no meat in it. And she ate it every time. So in her case, it's like, what am I trying to do? I'm just trying to get something in her body to make her feel better. And Oh, by the way, she needs some calories. Now, in terms of the processing of the treats, I will tell you, we lab test it and we can share the lab tests and they show that the CBD amount of the product that they're buying is in there. I think the the theory is the traditional pet manufacturing facilities bake the hell out of biscuits and soft shoes to a high temperature that it would convert or at least damage the um, amount of CBD in the product. So the good thing is, is we have a commercial kitchen and we run it like a human bakery. So we bake our cookies low and slow. Um, we, we literally hand cut them still till this day. The recipe is over 20 years old. We just started adding CBD to it. So, um, it is a tried and true meat free biscuit. And then we now do soft chews and the same thing We're we're not making them the traditional large manufacturer way where we just pump out tons of volume. We are making them in a quality way with low temperatures and preserving all those good nutrients, including the CBD. And then we test them. So that's the best way in terms of how it works. If they take it with food, the, the studies show in dogs and cats with food is better um, in terms of staying in the bloodstream longer. So again, when we answer, when we answer the question of what are we trying to do, that is dependent on, okay, if the dog is stressed, and we want to get it in their blood faster. Well, let's do it on an empty stomach and maybe oil or some type of liquid would be better. Um, however, if you're putting liquid or oil in an empty stomach, that could be a uh, recipe for disaster in terms of digestively, because if the pet has been on dry food and now you're putting oil in their empty stomach, I don't know about you, but if I drink a bunch of uh, liquid coconut oil on an empty stomach, I'm not going to feel so good. And there might be some repercussions for that. So there's always that. But then the good thing is, is like there's mountains of data that we've looked into and have content in our blog that says they've actually studied this in cats and with dogs that if you can do it with food and most pet food is high in fat, CBD pairs well with fat. Um, it actually stays in the bloodstream longer. So if we're addressing things like arthritis and joint function, um, or even stress because stress isn't just situational. It's just not showing it's going to be better long-term. And usually we see the best benefits with our product. And we got some studies that we've actually done internally to show that. So long-winded answer. I'm sorry, but I had that it needs to be addressed. Like it's the treats are a good palatable option to start any pet with that may have stress or even more severe issues just to say, at least they're eating it. Yeah. Then that's a simple way to start. Ideally, I'll be totally honest. It's very easy for us to put oil in a bottle. There's two ingredients, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We can make it more concentrated and we can make it very simple for you. But some people are like, you know what? I don't want to just like have this dropper and that could be daunting for people. So having a treat option is a really nice option to start pet parents with. Um, and then if they're using a ton of it, Hey, let's talk about oil. 
So you can basically just do a dropper in the meal instead of putting it directly in their mouth. 100%. And I think to that though, it's like, if you're doing it for like severe stress and they're like, I have some behavior problems that I got to address. Well, those behavior problems aren't going to change overnight. Now you may sedate them if you use a ton of it, um, which some, some people look for that um, response. And sometimes we have pet owners that do that. And, you know, I usually tell them, please don't use a ton in the front, but it just happens. So um, if they use it in food, it's going to come on a little bit longer or a little bit slower. And uh, if they do it on an empty stomach, it'll kick in a little bit faster. So they'll probably, you know, again, we're not factoring in the weight of the animal. Are they overweight? Are they very skinny? Are they a very lean breed like your pit bull? They naturally metabolize things way quicker. So they might you know, metabolize that, that CBD, cause that's a plant fat faster. Whereas the overweight dog might metabolize it much slower. So it really depends on the specific dog. And that's why we're like, Hey, just start low, go slow. If you have to mix it in food or a light snack to start, I'd rather you do that than try to force a dropper down their mouth or something. I'm laughing because we've been trying to do that with our guy, Nino, with the dropper, and yeah. he's finally become more compliant about it. And he'll just kind of settle in and be, he'll kind of like, you know, like, fine, do it, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> pop his cheek out, you know. <laughs> Maybe, uh, can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Um, I've found that with certain pets, not all of them, even if they were kind of apprehensive about the dropper going in the mouth right away, what I find is with pets that have an issue and they start feeling better over time, they actually are excited about it. And I hear this with cat owners more than anybody. Do you, have you guys found that where like if you've given it enough, now they associate with like, Oh, that's the stuff that makes me feel better. Yeah, I have. I had, I had that experience with scout um, when he had lymphoma. I also have had it with um, my dogs because they're not a, a fan of the dropper in the mouth. But um, I have been taking my dogs to a friend's property once a week to go on very long walks. And the last time we went, it was a lot of uphill. We went on slightly longer than the first time we went. And Zoe, who's 10 years old, she was feeling that. And so when I pulled out the CBD to give it to her, she was just like, okay, yeah, I'll let you put it in my mouth. And she, and she tolerates it. Um, I like to give CBD to my dogs daily. So the idea of just adding it to the meal as a daily thing, but then adding it to their mouths when they need a little more support is just really appealing to me. And, but the same thing with Bella, because you, I've never, she, no one can really see her legs when I take pictures and stuff of her. But if you saw her in person, her legs look funky. Um, I've actually had people comment on like, what's wrong with her legs, which I think is kind of rude because if she were my child, you wouldn't say that, <laughs> yeah, Exactly. but, um, she, her whole litter, you know, she's a backyard litter. Her whole litter has little wonky legs. And so I was worried when I got her that this could end up being a deformity and so that's why I wanted to put her on CBD right from the beginning because I thought that, you know, it can't hurt. And I feel like she, I mean, she, without, I didn't have to tell, I just had the bottle and she just came up to me and just sat down and opened her mouth. Like she, she, this is the first um, day, the night that we had her. And so I was just like, and I was like, okay, then I guess this is going to be easy. Yeah, Nessie saw us giving it to Nino, and then she was kind of like, "Yeah, I want some of that too." Yeah, it's like a treat. Yum. Yeah. 
it's funny um, with with all dogs and and cats for this matter. It's um, it's important to think of it as like I'd rather have a cumulative effect rather than oh my gosh, one time it changed my dog's life. And we get those responses and I love them because it's always like a, it's really rewarding for what I do and the stress that I've gone through with pets. But at the same time, I'd rather have, you know, the person who's consistent and they're like, you know what, just in general, my pet is just a little bit more relaxed. They're less reactive. They're, they're less apprehensive to let the groomer pull the nail trimmer up to them. You know, those little stories like that, happen over time what we've seen especially doing this for eight years we have a good amount of like it's anecdotal data but we have a good amount of data just from customer feedback and um it's awesome to hear that because we we did a study in 2022 um to look at anxiety and what we found is over you know 15 to 21 days in cats and dogs if they used a low to moderate dose they saw significant reduction in stress. Um, so much so the, the measurements that we used were the typical measurements that the veterinarians use when you come into a hospital um, and you go to the clinic and you end up walking out with a antidepressant for your dog. We use those same questions, but we just said, use our low to moderate dose. Some increased, some didn't, but for the most part, it was pretty standard low to moderate dose that we suggest, which is low for the standard of what I see in products out there. And we saw a 30% decrease over those 21 days, just using a basic consistent dose. Um, we didn't, we asked them whether they did it in fruit or not. And it was a big variety there, but we didn't care. It's like, Hey, just stick with it. And this was during July. So lots of loud booms, lots yeah. of thunderstorms. It's the craziest time of year. So that was a really good indicator or kind of confirmation for us to go. Yes. You know, we'd rather have you, have a cumulative effect rather than just like magic, the first dose. So one of the things I was really excited to see on your website, I love a colostrum product and I saw that you had that option on your website. So can you tell us why that's one of the things that you include and what you think are the benefits of it? Yeah. So I am not a scientist. I'm not like a, I'm not a nutritionist, but I've always been really into health and fitness and I've been a lifelong athlete and um, I've always been really interested in natural products like this. And I knew colostrum one, because we're all raised on it, you know, it's the mother's first milk. And, but I knew for um, bovine or cow colostrum, um, it had been used by people and for pets for, for the longest time. Not a lot of people like drinking colostrum as a liquid because it's not the most flavorful and yummy of milk. But at the end of the day, um, it has a different complexity than just your regular milk products. And so when we were looking at why we wanted to incorporate colostrum with a CBD, I looked at, well, again, why, why are we doing this? I looked at what does the endocannabinoid system tell us about mammals? Most of our receptors in that system are found in the gut. So like everything we talk about with nutrition and all the experts that you guys talk about, the vets and stuff, most of the conversation starts in the gut, right? So we looked at it and went, well, how can we address it from our perspective with you know addressing the diet and things? And what we found is um, colostrum is phenomenal for a lot of different pets 
that you really can't figure out what the the issue is. They're they're very sensitive to everything they put in their body. And then the other thing is is like a lot of digestive products. Um, some are good, some are great, but like throwing the kitchen sink at the gut can sometimes make it worse. So what we found is with colostrum, it doesn't do the typical things that like probiotics or prebiotics do. It out, it actually balances the gut microbiome. So it doesn't, it, it balances good and bad bacteria. So you don't want too much of both. And so when we started looking down that road, we were like, well, let's do a dry powder that has um, these compounds in it, these digestive enzymes called immunoglobulins. And we're like, we're really addressing this, this gut issue and then adding the CBD, if there's like a lot of upset tummies, that's an inflammatory response in the gut. CBD can kind of backfill that. And then there's a ton of receptors. So there's going to be kind of a synergy with that product. It's also really stinky and it smells good. So it's nice to kind of put it as a topper. And ultimately, like if you think about pets that are stressed all the time, that's probably weighing on their gut too. So again, you know, oil, cookies, you know, the traditional ways that CBD companies do it are great, but sometimes we're just addressing symptoms rather than the root cause. So for us, we looked at it and like pets are getting thrown antibiotics if they get anything right now, you know, there's a huge problem with allergies and viruses with dogs and cats, and there's really not a lot of answers. Yes, CBD on its own can help, but if we can address the gut and fortify their immune system, man, I'd take that response overall and just have a, a stronger immune system in my dog than, you know, addressing the symptom after the fact. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things I always want to like shout from the rooftops about the benefits of colostrum. <laughs> I mean, I love hearing that because I hear from people, um, I actually was speaking to someone yesterday whose dog has some gut issues, but the dog doesn't do well on pre and probiotics. And I was at a loss as to what, to um, recommend. And I completely forgot about colostrum. Yeah. The, the tricky thing with colostrum and I'll, and I'll be very candid about this. Um, some colostrum products are very, very potent mm -hmm. and they have this, they have that active ingredient of immunoglobulins and that's how you have to buy it and source it is there's got to be like a measurable level, just like in CBD. It's like when you buy a hemp oil or a hemp extract, you want to see the CBD amount that's in that. So the immunoglobulins, immunoglobulins are what, you know, kind of dictate the strength of it. And some human products are extremely potent. So I just always um, try to educate people as much as I can on the website. And um, when I do, you know, interviews like this, um, start low and go slow, yeah. like everything. Yeah. And, you know, especially if you have a very sensitive pet, or they just got off antibiotics, and their gut microbiome is wrecked, Yeah. or the case that you're bringing up can really of that everything kind of that they've thrown at it so far really upsets them. It's like, we'll just start low and go slow and let's slowly build that gut microbiome health back up over weeks, maybe months sometimes. And I'd rather see no response for a couple of weeks than they do it one time and it makes their pets sick. So yeah. um, whether it's our product or not, I would say be very careful with that and just start low. Yeah, It's always a safe thing to do. I think the supplement industry has trained us well because they give us the dosage amounts, which are helpful, but there is very few people that talk about the fact that, you know, we're all unique. We're all different. And so with everything with my dog, I mean, I have three healthy dogs in the house, but when I'm trying something new, I start small. And so products that 
if I were to follow the dosing recommendation on the product would last me like a couple weeks, last me a couple months because the way I use it with my dogs and what's working for them is just far less than what the dosage is on the package. Yeah, I think um, we like, you know, especially in uh, Western society, we like to take the uh, pharmaceutical philosophy and bring it over to supplements. So the, the reality is, though, if you apply this kind of concept outside of CBD or even colostrum like we're talking about and you apply it to like fish oil, we don't give our pet or we don't take a fish oil one time and go, well, my brain's working better, <laughs> better, my skin and hair is all of a sudden better. I took one fish oil and that happened. But for some reason, and and rightfully so, because the the cannabis industry, you know, you can get high from THC. We've applied this pharmaceutical philosophy to it, and I think that sometimes uh, damages the the idea behind it. And that's um, minimal effective dose. Be consistent. Keep it in their diet. I like that you promote um, cycling through supplements. Yeah. It's why we have such a variety of them. We are not just a CBD brand. We try to make whole food natural supplements with cool stuff that can add benefit rather than saying just stick with this one and you know a lot of times i talk to pet owners i talk to pet owners every day and i go there's not a wrong answer with our products it's like what is best to start with here's my thoughts on that but you know your pet better than me Mm -hmm. and you're with them every day so here's what i think you should start with but maybe try this if that's not the best option yeah i know people always i always get that question of why are you giving your dogs three different, you know, digestive supplements? Or why do you buy from two different um, CBD companies? And I'm just sort of like, I'm, my dogs are getting the benefit of like, well, with the CBD of different farms, you know, different batches. I mean, and it's just like, it's one of those where it's keeping everything fresh. And that's what I like to do with, you know, with myself as well. In fact, I, I was actually going and buying um, human CBD from a local dispensary until I was, I was in California and had a a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And someone gave me some of their CBD. It was their dog CBD that they keep for themselves in their purse. And they're like, just take this. And so I took that and was just like, why am I spending? I mean, it's shockingly way more money for, cause usually the pet stuff is way more expensive than the human stuff. In this case, the human stuff is twice as much as the pet stuff. And I'm p- buying that for my, and I don't know why I just think I have a whole little collection of earth buddy bottles in my pantry. So that's what I take now. Yeah. I, um, I find that, you know, with the different products out there, I mean, there's a lot of good companies out there. I think when it comes to like costs and stuff, a lot of that just relates to, you know, how it's processed, mm-hmm. where it's from. Um, and there's different varieties. Like you said, you know, there's different plants, there's different farms, there's going to be different minor compounds in those extracts. And when you think about the cannabinoid system in mammals, um, we can engage it differently with different extracts. So I, I, I love that theory. And it's why we don't just make just CBD products, but we like, we have a bunch of them. We have treats, we have oils, but we have a bunch of other fun stuff that may be um, good for your pet's overall endocannabinoid system yeah. to engage it differently a little bit. Yeah. So. so do you have any plans for new products coming down the pipe? You know, right now we are really big on our mushroom products. We've always done mushrooms. So um, 
we were we were one of the first companies to pair the two. Um, we did that in like 2017, and people were like, "You're weird." <laughs> They're like, "We don't even know what CBD is, and now you're throwing in fungus on top of it." <laughs> and fungi is always kind of like a scary thing to uh, broach with people, let alone because the the response always is like, "Oh, the magic mushroom yeah. kind." When you talk, even Are mushrooms toxic to dogs. Yes. So, um, we were doing that early on in a capsule and that was like, people were like mind blown with that, but then we quickly saw the benefits of that. And it's now like next to just our regular CBD products, it's our second best category. Um, because so many pets have allergies that people cannot figure out and they're tired of going to the vet and getting prescribed drugs that are really harsh on their little organs. Mm -hmm. And so they want like a natural starting point and then maybe go to those other interventions. But um, we've expanded that out to not include the CBD with it, because I think that was a big hurdle for a lot of pet owners of like, not only is it a pill, not only is it a capsule uh, with mushrooms, it's got CBD in it and it's powder and I can't get my picky dog to take a mm-hmm. cap, you know, that. Thing. So we've now done a liquid extract in a tincture form that has elderberry, which I love it. it tastes is- so good. Yeah. It's all human grade. grade. We, we don't like differentiate our products. The only products that aren't technically human grade are, are meat based soft chews, but, um, the powder is exactly what you use in the tincture, Kimberly, but it's, um, it's the liquid extract. And when then we freeze dry that liquid into a powder and the powder is highly concentrated. Mm-hmm. So, we love mushroom extracts. Um, I think every pet can benefit even from a daily small dose yeah. and just improving their immune response. And with, you know, the itchy scratchies that happen in the spring and the fall, mm-hmm. um, I think it really kind of fortifies their immune response to be able to handle and tolerate those. The best way I can explain mushrooms and how the benefit for me they are is as opposed to taking like your Benadryls and your Claritins and living on these different allergy supplements that will help but undoubtedly stop working over time. Um, when I, when I take mushrooms consistently and I see this in pets, they still have the allergies, but they're not as like flared up and just miserable. So I'm not, I'm still stuffy, but I'm not like feeling like I'm going to sneeze all day. So that's the best way I can explain like using mushrooms. And they have, they use less medication because I've actually had that with my friend. She has a dog that has environmental allergies and with the choices that she's made, uh, she has been able to go down to, I think like, like a quarter, I think a quarterly type of situation rather than monthly. And so it's just like, and even I personally, I have hay fever and I used to be like the, the 24 hour hay fever pills were a joke because I was taking like two or three a day anyway. And what you said about, they stopped working. I could do it for two years. And then I had to go to another brand do that for two years and go to another brand. But since I started adding um, mushrooms to my supplement regime, I, I just, I mean, I still have allergies, but they're not nearly like the way. Yeah. I I think being able to tolerate them and not be miserable Mm -hmm. is probably a better response than throwing in a drug that, you know, can make you drowsy Mm -hmm. or have side effects. And especially when it comes to pets on their poor little organs, Um, it's hard for them to break a lot of this stuff down. So with mushrooms, this is like another thing where I feel like I have to become a detective or a scientist or something because 
I'm trying to figure out like there's like the fruiting body and the mycelium and you have to look at how companies are doing the extraction process. And are there things like this that you can give us tips on what to look for to find a good quality product other than an earth buddy product? Yeah. So I, yeah, I love this question because um, I obviously use uh, functional mushrooms for myself and the, the, the beginning of me starting that was I was using them for myself when I had Kiva and you know, the one thing about CBD is like, especially when pets are older, when you're throwing a ton of CBD at them to try to help with their issues, you can also sedate them and older pets are already sleeping a lot. So I don't think CBD is always um, going to be the best answer for an older pet that may not need it. And also we wanted to keep their personality. So with mushrooms, I see that I was able to keep Kiva's personality up in spirits and not like knock her out all day mm-hmm. um, on a ton of CBD. So that was one reason we started, but I was also using them for, you know, exercise. I love it for kind of increasing my stamina when I work out and stuff like that. But um, what I found is there's a, there's a big, there's a lot of debate within the the world of fungi and mushrooms of, you know, fruiting body, mycelium, all these words that you're talking about. What I found is I found that just the regular powdered mushrooms when I first started going down the road for myself were great products, but you have to take a lot more. And they're just basically, they grow the mushroom, they dehydrate it or freeze dry it or whatever. And then they just basically grind it into a powder. The problem is, is mushrooms have um, a fiber source that is hard to break down by the gut and it's chitin. And that's like a good fiber source, but you also miss out on a lot of the medicinal value. So what most companies have transitioned to is doing mushroom extracts where they take the fruit body and some take the mycelium. We do both. We primarily have fruiting body in our extracts, but we also use the mycelium and I can get to why. Um, But the bottom line is we extract it. We do a triple extraction. It's actually quadruple, but it doesn't sound as cool as triple. Um, We do a triple extraction. We pull it out as liquid and then that has the medicinal value of beta glucans. So, you know, good quality companies will give you an idea of beta glucans. We have actually taken that a step further and are the first company that are lab testing it and sharing those third-party lab tests. So a lot of companies will put that on there, but they are not using third-party labs. There's not many of them. So I don't like fault those companies. We are actually taking another step further and now we're testing for all kinds of minor compounds in mushrooms. So for instance, um, cordyceps has hundreds of compounds that are really beneficial. So we're testing that and we're seeing the active compounds that are in cordyceps and showing that on our third-party lab tests. The next venture is Rishi. Rishi has over 800 compounds that they've identified. Rishi's in every traditional Chinese medicine blend of herbs and things like that. Like it's a, it's a literally Swiss army knife of a supplement and, you know, people have made it in teas and literally ate it raw. It's not the best to eat raw. <laughs> but, um, they primarily make it in teas and things like that, but it has over 800 compounds. So we're going to start testing for those as well. Like maybe some of the bigger ones, obviously not all 800 that gets pretty costly, but we have the ability to kind of R and D that and really explain like, Hey, there's more than just saying it's a mushroom. Mm-hmm. Beta glucans are the active ingredient that most people look for. That is what creates an immune response in the gut. And it almost acts like a prebiotic. So um, that's the best way to explain when you look at quality for a pet parent, um, make sure that they tell you whether it's an extract or it's a, you know, a a freeze dried powder. Um, and just know you're probably going to have to take more 
if it's just the powder in with our powder, we, we actually say you should take much less because it is a liquid extract that we freeze dry. That is a concentrated powder. So our, our powder is actually more concentrated than the liquids that you see in most products um, because it's a, it's a freeze dried extracts, which is different. So whether seeing it's an extract or not, if it's just as powder and there's just a general level and there's no beta glucan call out or anything like that, um, you kind of know, Hey, I'm probably gonna have to take a lot of those. I hope that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it's just very confusing because sometimes, you know, you see companies like this one is the wrong way and this one is the right way. And, you know, there's different costs involved in that too. But I think at the end of the day, this goes back to kind of having transparency and showing your your lab results and showing that you're doing your best as a company to share the information on where you're getting it from and how it's actually processed. And I think um, there's nothing wrong with the powdered ones. And there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, that use mycelium if they extract, but the mycelium is a little bit harder to break down. And a lot of times has uh, much lower amounts of these medicinal values of the fruiting body. So. And then like, it also matters, like what kind of substrate they're grown on. Is that correct? Yes. And, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It does. I was going to say yes and no, but yes, it does in the sense that, um, mushrooms also bioaccumulate so they can suck up the nasties from whatever their substrate is on. I think the, the big, the big one is like with rice and the mycelium that, you know, rice has arsenic and, you know, but the, the reality is, is like anything that it's grown on is going to have organic compounds and arsenic happens to be an organic compound that's in tomatoes too. So I think, you know, the, the battle with like the substrate stuff, cause that's pretty like in the weeds for a pet owner just to like buy a product. But the bottom line is, is like, you want to use the most quality substrate that that species may prefer. And unfortunately, and fortunately, in some cases, certain species prefer different substrates. For instance, we use a combination in certain phases of the grow process. So we use organic soy hulls from an, or an Amish community because it likes to start in there. And when it starts eating the mycelium, then we inoculate that to um, basically uh, sawdust. And it likes the, the, the sawdust from oak. And so it kind of goes down the line. The challenge we have, because there's, there's a lot of products that, you know, maybe like wildly grown and things like that. There's a lot of safety concerns in terms of contamination and bioaccumulation. You can't control the environment. So when we grow indoors, we have a controlled environment. There's, there's air filtration systems that are set up. So we don't inoculate things. We don't send a bunch of gas from the road down the, you know, like these are, these are, uh, mushrooms breathe in things and they can absorb things from the natural environment, including pollutants. So if you're in a very highly polluted area, they can absorb, you know, the, whatever's going down in the factory. So we really want to focus on controlling the quality and having consistent amounts. So we use a combination of millet, oak, and organic ryeberry, which is uh, a preferred substrate of some of the species we use. Um, and the other cool thing is, when we can do that in the lab, we can actually find out what produces more medicine. So we can control for like the amount of medicine the mushroom is producing and go, Hey, yeah, we grew it on the wood and it didn't do as well. Let's do it on the rye berry. And we tested it and 
the the potency of that was way higher. So I find this fascinating, but this is how like in the weeds I get with like, I want to make sure if I'm spending money that it's on something that's going to help and that I'm not like somehow giving like a toxic product to my dog. Like (laughs) I do get pretty in the weeds. Well, and I also want to point out before we wrap up is the amount of studies because I probably last year I was working, you know, I've been working on my website for years where I'm redoing content and I wanted to, I think, I don't know, Sean, if we talked about this at a, something where you told me, yeah, there's a ton of studies on the website and you sent me a link and there literally are tons of studies. So instead of me searching the internet, trying to find a study to support why I'm saying this, I now just go to the Earth Buddy site and there are tons of studies. And I actually fell down the rabbit hole one night of, and I was just like, I'm not going to get anything done today because it was just like with every site, I was like, oh my God, there's another one that talks about this. And there's another one that talks about this. And it's really kind of a unique thing where you don't really see all of that. You've done the work for us. We, um, we love using studies as kind of a starting point to go, all right, is there some data to support that this would help a pet? And then we start with, is there data on actual dogs and cats? Because that's our main focus. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But a lot of studies are done on animals and mostly mice, unfortunately, poor little mice. Um, but a lot of the studies are you know, done in a, a really strong way that we can at least say, here's a starting point that shows that it helps with this. But let's try to take the clinical side out of it because we're making natural products. So sometimes if you get lost in the weeds of studies, we just go down this clinical road and then you have clinical dosage that that's the only way it works. And it's like, no, we're trying to keep it natural and keep it safe for your pet. Um, so I love studies. I love reading them. I love kind of trying to translate them into people because I don't expect people to be uh, study experts. But when you do go down the road of mushrooms, there are so many studies. And this is why I like, Aaron, that you asked about the mycelium and the fruiting body because the reality is, is most of the studies that I've seen are kind of mixed. There's a lot on the mycelium. There's a lot of on the fruit body and that's how we made our decision. So there's never like, um, and I, and I want to be very clear about this. There's never like earth buddy is trying to save money because of this. It's usually like we looked at as enough data as possible to find the best way to make this product and then actually make it digestible for the pet owner to go, Oh, okay. I see what they're using that for. But we've literally thought of everything and we've tried to find as much data to support why we made it that way and then go, okay, this is why we chose to do that. And we can explain that and we're happy to share that with pet owners. So I think that's really important because sometimes we go down the road of like, oh, they're trying to use this cheap thing or, you know, and we don't do that. And we have a reason for everything and we're not using cheap stuff. (laughs) Like it's very expensive to make our products, but um I think, I think we go down that road and then you have to, you kind of re-educate and go, Hey, no, there's a reason we've done everything. Not every company can speak like that, but I think it's important that I I address that at least with us, because there's a reason for everything we chose. That makes my nerdy little heart happy. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you guys so much. It it was so fun. And, um, I hope, uh, I hope we can help some pet owners, you know, understand this wild world of, supplements and food and stuff so thank you so much for having me